I have a, a bit of a trouble. I've had my whole life with sleeping. Um, I, I don't know if you would call it insomnia, although there are times in my life where there's been something like insomnia. I've certainly uh, purchased my fair share of uh, melatonin um, and uh, uh, I've used Benadryl to affect the same uh, when melatonin wasn't available. Um, but, uh, you know, I don't know about you, I, I feel like probably everybody in the world, at least at some point, has the time where, the, you know, the wheels are, are, are turning, you know, and it's just, uh, it's impossible to, to sleep. Um, and, you know, that hits me at least once a week, you know. Uh, it hit me this morning. I woke up at 4.30 and I was thinking about the sermon. Um, and uh, so, you know, just things like that. And um, I once was uh, working in campus ministry and I worked together with people from several religions. It was funny. We'd have a meeting and there'd be like, you know, a Protestant preacher, a, a Catholic priest, nuns, uh, imam, and, uh, and a rabbi. It sounds like a, a joke, you know, walk into a bar, but there was a, a meeting in a conference room. Um, but I remember the, the imam, uh, I, I said it to him uh, the same thing I told you, that, you know, I have trouble sleeping. And he says to me, oh, I sleep like a baby. I just hit my head on the pillow, and I always fall asleep. And I wanted to kind of, you know, punch him in the face. I thought, um, you know, gosh, that made me feel better. Um, <laughs> Um, and, I, and I think that he's probably, to a certain extent, you know, not telling the truth. You know, there has to be, he's 50-something years old, a day in his life where he didn't sleep like a baby, you know. Um, it's just uh, the sort of the way it goes for people. And if, maybe if it's not sleep for you, there's um, probably times where um, the, the wheels are turning, to say the least, and cause you anxiety during your, your waking hours. Someone close to me, uh, was talking to me about how they're, and it's no one you know, uh, but someone in my life who's telling me how they're retiring soon and um, in several months and finds it difficult to be at work because this person knows the day, you know, uh, March such and such is the day when uh, retirement comes and uh, really does not want to be there anymore. And uh, I said to this person, because your heart has already left, of course I understand why you wouldn't want to be there. And the, the feeling that they were describing to me was almost like uh, being captive. You know, I mean, every morning you wake up and have to go to a job, and, and maybe you've had this experience before, or a job that you didn't like, or where maybe you were retiring and, and saw that date in the horizon, it almost feels like driving yourself to your own jail cell, you know. Um, and then it comes Friday, and you got to think about it all weekend. Um, you know, I got a couple days off, but um, I know that I got to be there next week. And um, so that's just the kinds of things that uh, humans often experience that that keep us up at night. You know, maybe it's not keeping you up at night, but. Um, the heart uh, is, um, you know, often in in such uh, states, um, and and sometimes for a great long time. You know, I mean, from now until March something sounds like uh, quite a while. You know, to have to to uh, to deal with that, and then once April comes, you know, it'll be something else. But um, I bring all this up because I think it relates to the prophet Isaiah, uh, generally speaking, and to our passage today. Um, Isaiah is a prophet to the to the captives, the uh, prophet to the exiles, uh, the prophet, therefore, to those who are uncomfortable, 
who have anxiety, the prophet to those who are like me and not like the imam and, and cannot sleep at night. Um, and let me just give you a little bit of context for our passage today. Um, Isaiah, I think, is about 66 chapters, and the first 39 chapters is basically, and this isn't, don't, you know, don't think that what I'm saying is 100%, because there are places uh, where it is good news in the first 39 chapters, but the, the overall sense is a, a voice of accusation. Um, and some of the things that God has to say, um, I don't even feel comfortable repeating in church. Um, you know, uh, likening the, the nation of Judah to, to horse, you know, I mean, things like that. It's just, it's an uncomfortable 39 chapters to kind of read through. Um, if you can't sleep at night and you need to read something, don't read the first 39 chapters of Isaiah, you know. Um, and so that's the, 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 the message of accusation and also the impending captivity uh, that is to come for Judah. Um, and uh, of course, this is discomforting. Yet, here we have, in chapter 40, a great reversal. And the first words are, Comfort, comfort, my people, says your God. You know, speaking uh, to the prophet to say uh, to the people, now comfort. Where there is discomfort in the first 39 chapters, here it's just completely flipped on its head. 180 degrees. Comfort, comfort, my people, says your God. Well, what about, what about you? You know, what is, uh, what's going on in your life or, or who is, is making you uncomfortable? Uh, what are the things that bring you discomfort? Generally speaking, maybe keep you up at night or right now. And I'm, I'm talking to you, you know, I mean, just imagine it's just me and you one-on-one, you know, maybe we're having a phone call. Forget all these other people are, are in the room, you know, what is it? that brings you discomfort. Um, and there's a lot in the world right now that is discomforting. I mean, I, just statistically speaking, I'm, I'm noticing it more when I meet with people. When I ask for prayer requests, they'll say, you know, the thing happening in Ferguson's uh, bothering me. And let's, let's pray about that. You know, usually that, that's not the case. But, but I'll say, even with all these, you know, crazy things with like white cops killing black guys and the stuff going on in the Middle East, I'd, I'd wager a guess that that's probably not the thing keeping you up at night, actually. It ought to. It ought to keep me up at night. But usually it's like, what am I going to preach tomorrow night at 5 p.m.? You know, it's usually things like that or, um, you know, some sort of strained relationship that I have with someone or some bill that I keep forgetting to pay. Despite all the, the craziness of the world, that's the thing that uh, brings me discomfort. And like I said, I'd bet that that's probably you know, true for, for you. Um, and, and for these reasons, uh, we are like the captives um, in exile. Um, we are like those prisoners. There's a scene in the film Shawshank Redemption, which most of you, I bet, have seen. You know, it's one of those films where I don't even need to to tell you about it. If you haven't seen it, go and see it. It's a great film. Uh, Tim Robbins, Morgan Freeman. Um, and there's this scene where, you know, this is, uh, I don't know, when is it? Do you remember? It's Depression era or 1940s or something like this. You know, a while ago, a little bit old-timey feel. And uh, the prison system, and the prison system now is oppressive, but, but there, you know, you could really see 
the warden is the, you know, he's the, the antagonist of the film, and uh, one of the prisoners is the protagonist. That gives you a sense of what's going on here. Um, and so all these prisoners are in this system of basically oppression and captivity. And Andy, played by Tim Robbins, who's uh, a nice guy and therefore an innocent of the crime, actually. I, I think that's right. Um, he's, uh, he's gained respect from those in charge, including the warden, to kind of have a cush job in the prison system and therefore access to some things that other people don't have. And so there's this one scene where he comes across a record, a vinyl record uh, of, a, of opera and puts it on the record player. And uh, you've got to imagine that someone like him hasn't heard maybe music, let alone opera, in years. And he's sitting there listening to it, and there's the PA system for the entire prison. And he thinks... I can't, or he doesn't say this, but you can see, he thinks to himself, I can't keep this to myself. He locks the, um, the, um, this, the, one of the, the prison guy, the, what do you call the guys that work at the prison? Um, not the, not the main guy, but anyway, somebody working at the prison, one of the cops, he, he, he's in the bathroom on the toilet, and so he locks him in there, so he can turn the PA system on, so that the whole prison, all these guys can hear the opera. And they just stop, and there's this just, I, I defy you not to be moved by them looking up at the speakers, hundreds of them, listening, and maybe a lot of them have never even heard opera before. And Red, the uh, character played by Morgan Freeman, says, I have no idea to this day what those two Italian ladies were singing about. Truth is, I don't want to know. Some things are best left unsaid. I'd like to think they were singing about something so beautiful that can't be expressed in words. It makes your heart ache because of it. I tell you, those voices soared higher and farther than anybody in a gray place dares to dream. It was like some beautiful bird flapped into our drab little cage and made those walls dissolve away. And for the briefest of moments, every last man in Shawshank felt free. And Isaiah 40 is a lot like a sweet song breaking through the silence, like that opera. And it's also, therefore, a foretaste of the new covenant, um, the message of Christianity. Unfortunately, however, the Christian subculture seems to mostly not get this, um, Usually the, the story that you hear in Christianity is something like, you know, do more and try harder and not like, you know, comfort, comfort my people. Um, Kirk Cameron, who is the foil to me, you know, if you like Kirk Cameron movies, um, you know, we probably shouldn't hang out. But uh, <laughs> uh, I, you know, I mean, he probably has good intentions, but he just came out with this movie about saving Christmas. Um, and he put out a promotional video um, trying to get people to go see Saving Christmas. And this is what he had to say to women. If you are a mom, if you are a wife, if you're the keeper of your home, I want you to know that your joy is so important this Christmas because Christmas is about, is about joy. And if the joy of the Lord is your strength, remember the joy of the mom is her children's strength. So don't let anything steal your joy. I want to just stop there. I mean, 
my children's strength, uh, if, if I, my, my joy is being a bet on that, I'm, I'm doomed. But anyway, to be continued, if you let your joy get stolen, it will sap your strength. Let your children, your family, see your joy in the way that you decorate your home this Christmas, in the food that you cook, the songs you sing, the stories you tell, and the traditions that you keep. Invite your whole neighborhood into, uh, into your Christmas and invite the world into our story of our king and his kingdom. And then he says, join me and go see Saving Christmas November 14th. <laughs> I don't you know, I don't know what you're thinking, but I feel like he's stacking the deck higher and higher for the already uncomfortable, the already discomforted, the already exhausted woman of the house who's trying to keep it together and this is what we hear. It is not like the opera breaking through the silence. It's, it's do more and try harder. Um, and for these reasons, I want to say that I brought into our liturgy here at five o'clock after the confession, the comfortable words of the Anglican tradition. I mean, they're from scriptures, but this is important to Anglican liturgy. And we'll read that later. Um, the... Uh, Comfortable words are a summation, basically, of the gospel that you hear after you confess your sins. And this is what I want to hear, and not something like what Kirk Cameron has to say. Hear the word of God to all who truly turn to him. Come unto me, all who are weary and are heavy laden, and I will refresh you. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son to the end that all that believe in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. This is a true saying and worthy of all to be received, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. If anyone sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, and he is the propitiation for our sins. These, like Isaiah 40, are comforting. And that's why we call them comfortable words. Comfort, comfort, ye my people. That's what... I want to hear breaking through the silence when I can't sleep at night or when I'm dealing with great anxiety even during my waking hours and not come join me uh, and see Saving Christmas on November 14th. And uh, so let me just wrap it up by saying a word about Christmas. You know, I know we're in Advent, but, you know, uh, people have been thinking about Christmas since July. Um, <laughs> it keeps getting further and back. This morning I said October. So, um, but... Christmas, uh, you know, we do hear something like tidings of comfort and joy. Um, but often during the Christmas season, what you're encountering is sort of a, a, a saccharine sentimentality that can also weigh down the burden and discomfort it. Um, I was just thinking about the song, uh, a little... Uh, Away in a manger where they say, little Lord Jesus, no crying he makes. And there was another one earlier today that we heard that also talked about Jesus not crying. And I just think that that's not true. Um, Jesus, baby Jesus probably cried too, you know. And that kind of sentimentality, and that's just an example. There are other things. You know what I'm talking about. Those kinds of things uh, can actually, even though they're well-intentioned and made and, and, and said to made, make us feel better, they often almost weigh us down, you know, because my kids are crying all the time, and I hear that. And, and so that's the, the reaction that I have. But this, so this is no good news then. Uh, 
Baby Jesus was born to become uncomfortable, actually, that we might have comfort and assurance. Um, Just listen to what the prophet Isaiah has to say elsewhere about this baby. He grew up before the Lord like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with griefs. As one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. He's borne and carried our discomfort. These are the words of comfort for an uncomfortable world that can't sleep, or for captives like you and me. It's for this reason that the little Lord Jesus came into the world. Amen.